I'm going to tell you what it is, okay? It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> yeah, I suppose Sandra Bullock is Miss Ethnicity, right? Well, no, all I'm saying is that the horror genre is historical for excluding the African-American elements. Well, that's how you get your PhD in black cinema, sister soldier. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Afro Horror. It's me, Charday, your hostess with the mostess. And today is a little bit of a different uh, episode. I don't have a guest today, and I'm not reviewing uh, anything today because of a few reasons. And so this is going to be a more intimate one-on-one, me and you, the listener, um, episode today. I want to catch you up on where we are as a podcast, what I've been doing, um, all the new things that we're gearing up to do for Halloween. You know, tis the season, the mega holiday is coming up. We have lots of fun things planned. I also want to go over what's on my mind in the horror world today and just take the time to reconnect with you guys because things move so fast around here. I don't really even know if anyone realizes all the things that we're doing. There's so many things. So this episode is inspired by one of my favorite podcasts by Danny Pellegrino. And he does like a housewives uh, podcast. What is it called? Let me see if I can find it. Oh, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. And he really just gets on here like twice a week and and does recaps and just talks. And I really love the format because it it just feels like you're chatting with your best friend. So occasionally we're going to do some episodes like this. Um, We did have a September episode. It was supposed to be Resident Evil. But, you know, some things didn't work out with that co-host. And uh, so we're just going to forego that episode. We'll come back to Resident Evil at some point. And today it's just going to be me and you. All right. So I've got a list of things I want to talk about. The first thing is, where have I been? (laughs) What have I been doing? Well, I have been in Hawaii, uh, specifically the island of Kauai, um, for the past two months shooting a movie a horror film, if you will, called Hawaii Vacation. And I can't tell you anything about it. Thus, that happens in the movie industry. I was line producing on that movie, meaning I was in charge of safety and budget. So money and and safety, that was my primary job. And um, I was there for two months. I was originally supposed to stay, I think, three weeks. We were supposed to shoot for three weeks. And then all of a sudden, things change, because that's the movie industry. so during my time there, I, I got to live in a local's house. Now, let me break this down for you in case you're not native to Hawaii. And if you are native to Hawaii and I get this wrong, please email me and correct me. But there are three certain groups of people on the islands of Hawaii. There's obviously tourists, which are people like me. Um, people who vacation there, people who are just coming to work, you know, we're the tourists, we're the bottom sub-level of the group. Um, Then you have what they call locals, and locals um, are basically people who've moved to Hawaii and live there now. Um, They have homes there, or a home, they've built a life there, they are called locals, and generally those people are of Caucasian descent. And then you have um, the natives, you know, born and bred Hawaiians who 
can trace their families back for generations and on the island and and uh they're mainly of asian descent pacific islander descent to be correct um so I'm, I'm giving you this background because I, while I was there, I was able to stay with locals, okay? So that second subgroup we talked about. And living in Hawaii is vastly different than vacationing in Hawaii um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, I've been to Waikiki with my family before on Oahu. And um, when you're vacationing, you, you get to see all the tourist stuff, right? You get the hotel and you get all the good, you know, you see all the good restaurants and the food and the shopping. And you're like, oh, yes, la, la, la. Everything is wonderful. Isn't this place beautiful? And it is a beautiful place. I will say that. Um, and also to, to caveat, I was on the island of Kauai, which is the oldest uh, island chain. Um, and it's the furthest one back on the map. So if you're looking at a map of Hawaii, I'm in the, the last little island there. And it's very small. It's very different from Oahu. Okay. It's not, not the big island. It's a very small island. So I, I got to live there for two months, meaning I got my own little apartment. Um, I got my own car that rented out through the production uh, for the movie. And I, I got to just live as a local for, for two months. And there were a few things that blew my mind about living in Hawaii versus vacation in Hawaii. First of all, and this could have been, this is, could also just be Kauai. It, it, this may be different on different islands. It's just my experience and what I went through. Um, so I just don't want anyone to think I'm generalizing the entire, you know, state of Hawaii. I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you what it was like living on Kauai. But anyway, first of all, I'm the only I was the only black person on our crew that, you know, I knew that going in, um, when I was hired, the producers, the fellow, my fellow producers, they were very adamant that they wanted a very diverse crew. Okay. Um, especially cause I was hired by all women. The director was a woman the, and she also wrote the film and the, uh, most of the EPs were women and the other producers were women, the hiring producers. So, um, I was, I got the interview because I had met one of the following producers on, uh, one of those Hollywood here networking events through Twitter and we hit it off. And then we went out for tea afterwards, um, middle of the pandemic, you know, we, we had some zoom calls and we were the tea and we used to stay connected. And she's like, there's a movie we're shooting and thought you'd like to jump on it. Granted, I have production background. I've, I don't have line producing background as much as I would have liked, um, when I joined that project, but I, I had dabbled in it and UPMing before. So I interviewed, it was a great opportunity to go to Hawaii. So I went, um, and I only say this to say that she, they fought really hard to make sure the set was as diverse as possible. But even when you do seek out diversity, the thing that happens is I also have a lot of privilege that comes which is being me. Um, yeah, I'm a black woman. Uh, but I also, first of all, I have no children and I, I don't have a, a spouse or partner or a husband. Um, I just have a dog. It's just me. So it's easy for me to drop everything and go, yeah, I can go spend two months in this state or two months over here shooting a movie or whatever, because I don't have to worry about children. I don't have to worry about a husband um, or any other responsibilities outside of finding a dog sitter, which is 
easy enough to do. You know, I live in LA, this is dog places all over. So that is one of the reasons I believe why the set wasn't as diverse as they would have liked it, even though they're all women and, and, and mostly queer women as well, I will say. Um, they really made an effort, but there's something, I mean, th this is just the truth. Most of the women we interviewed, they weren't going to leave their kids for two months. They just weren't. And it was really ironic because the men that worked on that set, they made deals with their wives to go and work on the set. So the wives would, you know, or girlfriends or partners stayed home and watched the children and they would get to work on the set. And I always thought that was just so interesting that the women that we've interviewed, they wouldn't compromise that. But the men <laughs> who ended up working on our set um, somehow made it work blessfully to their partners at home who had to obviously agree to, to single parent for that time. So that's number one. Okay. And I'm, um, I, I, I'm privileged in the sense of that, that I am by myself and that I can drop everything and go where I need to go when I need to go. I'm also privileged in the sense that at my age at 32, with um, 11 years under my belt in this industry, I've got more experience than the average black woman. I have produced two films, written one feature film that um, premiered on a network um, and done countless other jobs, including acquisitions and development. So I, I have more experience than normally someone my age, or even someone who's older than me uh, would have. So there, there are a lot of reasons why I was hired um, and why we didn't have more women that looked like me on the set. And I, I don't blame anyone for that. I, it's just a hard pill that has to swallow when you talk about diversity and inclusion. You also can't get past these privileged aspects of it. And even me, I have privilege. I have the sense that if I had to take care of a family or, or if I had medical bills or if I, you know, anything, I couldn't go. I'm, I'm a healthy single woman. So I was able to go and I had, and this is the kicker because, you know, I had other jobs that were filtering me money so I could also afford to go. They, you know, a lot of us don't understand. I think for some reason people think I'm rolling in dough because I work in the movie industry and I'm not, I'm not at that level yet. That's for the one percenters in our industry. I am a blue collar worker like everyone else in the union. Um, so I really do depend on job to job. It's feast or famine in, in our industry and uh, it's been famine for close to two years with the pandemic. And it's just now where I'm getting all these job opportunities, but, but I was able to go because I do, I did other writing jobs. I, I do other producing jobs online. So I was able to save up some coins and I had some money so I could actually travel and go. I mean, yes, all the, the, the car, the hotel, I mean, the apartment, um, in the flight is all taken care of by the production team. But what no one tells you until you get there is that Kauai specifically is very expensive. I'm talking, and I live in LA. So if I, I'm saying something is expensive, then you know it's expensive because I'm used to paying the $5 a gallon for gas. That's, you know, whatever, that's our thing. But I got chocolate milk for one of my producers once because it's one of her favorites. And it costs $7. Chocolate milk with oat milk costs $7 in Kauai. And I thought, what? is that that is insane and i'm from la land of plenty where yeah we have a ten dollar latte and and twenty dollar salads but 
I just, that's in certain areas. This was kind of like across the board. Everything was in my area costing $7 here and there. So it's very expensive to eat. And when you're not on set, like we were in pre-production for two weeks before, two or three weeks before we even started shooting, you know, you have to, that money typically, if you want to eat outside of the food that production's providing you, you have to pay for yourself. It was expensive. So expensive. And gas there is just like in LA, it's $5, you know, it, 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 to fill up a car. And, and, but what's not like LA is everything is spread out on this island. So if I wanted to go to get supplies from like a Whole Foods or there was no Whole Foods, um, a Walmart or a Home Depot or a Costco, that's a 45 to an hour trip, depending on traffic. And, and that gas adds up. And yes, that gas is covered by production too. But I'm, what I'm saying is it's expensive to be there. So that's another part of the, the privilege I was able to pay for things. Um, so all, all that to say, I was the only black person on the crew. And there were times where I did feel a little... I mean, I don't want to say isolated because I wasn't. I was I was very welcomed. Everyone was very happy to have me. But I, I felt like I couldn't fully express how I was feeling because I didn't think that everyone would get it. Um, and and I'll, I'll say this why. I'll explain this reason why. Um, I rushed off to the island without getting my hair braided because my stylist didn't have time with the quick flight change that I had to make. So I had to go with my, my weave in and, uh, it was, it was really, really hard. And there, there are no black hairstylists in Hawaii and in Kauai. And if there was, I didn't see you girl. Um, and I think I, I literally could count five black people the entire two months I was there, two were tourists, one worked at the gas station and another was getting coffee with someone. So I assumed he was a tourist as well. And then I don't know where the other person came from, but, um, so it's just something about being surrounded by people that don't look like you. Like, look, I'm from Michigan. So I, a part of me used to be used to that when I was younger. I'm like, I'm so used to no one looking like me and you know, my family's this big, Afro Latino family in the middle of Michigan. We're from Belize and, um, everything's just very different, but you know, as a 30, 31 turning 32 year old in October, um, you don't always want to be the only one, (laughs) you know, it gets tiring being the only one and having to just exist as the only one. So I, I did, there were moments where I did feel lonely. I was also staying at the apartment by myself at night. So um, which I liked. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. I like being alone, especially after coming off of big sets and having to talk to everyone. I like the decompression time, but it really felt like no one would get if I said, Hey, I felt this microaggression from this crew member here, or I felt, or my hair is not doing this. There's no hair. It's not even a Sally's out here. I can't get edge control. I can't get things that I need. And you know, there just, there wasn't that person where I could go to and have that conversation with. There were people of color on the set, um, but it's very different also than being the only black person around. Um, and I, I'm saying all this to say, you know, it, that shoot was hard, not for the reasons I think people want it to be. It wasn't hard because of the shoot. The shoot itself was practically, I mean, we had some hard times, but it, it, it was, every set has a hard shoot. The shoot itself was actually probably the least problematic set I've ever been on. Uh, even though we had huge, big problem, we had million dollar movie but, uh, problems, but you know, we had a small budget. Um, but it was more so me. It was more so me just not feeling comfortable. I also like 
I don't know why I brought all this makeup and then wear a stitch of makeup and then the hair thing and then, you know, not having my eyebrows done. I know it sounds really shallow, but for me, if I feel good on the outside, I feel I feel good on the inside, meaning I, I am by all means a girly girl in the sense that I like to have my hair done. I like to get my nails done. I like to f- feel like I smell clean and good and Hawaii is so humid. You're just sweating all the time. I felt gross. I felt so gross. And I, I also, there's so many bugs out there that I was not prepared for. So I, yeah, I brought jean shorts and stuff, but I literally, after two days, just grabbed a whole bunch of black leggings and sweaters, and I, I just didn't want to get bit by bugs and mosquitoes. I was over that. So I would rather sweat and be smelly than wear shorts and get bit. So that was the compromise I made with myself. And it wasn't great because I just didn't, I just felt so not me while I was there. I, I, I'm always kind of put together and at least a hair combed and, I just didn't, and you know, COVID masks don't make it any easier because then you're just like breathing your own stuff in. So the shoot was hard because I was going through a lot of internal things about being a black woman on an island and, and I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about how I was feeling because I didn't want anyone to think, because this is what happens, you guys, is Afro horror, so we talk about it. I complain and then every black woman who's hired after me gets the brunt of my complaints, even though they have nothing to do with me. So I, I kept it all very quiet to myself, but it was a hard shoot. And at the end of it, I can say that I am proud of myself for doing that. Now we're not done with the movie yet. We have to go back to finish, um, some, some scenes. So I will go back and I, I'll be armed this time, <laughs> ready to go. I'm going to have my braids. I'm going to have all of my gels, all the things that I didn't bring. Cause I assume they would be there. They weren't there. Um, and I just know what to expect this time, but for coming in, you know, with not knowing anyone from the island and not knowing anyone from this crew and, and, and being just a black woman myself. And I, I just felt, I felt like I was in a losing my mind a little bit, but I'm glad I did it because I had such a good experience. When I tell you the crew was so wonderful, it was wonderful. I only had one incident with someone that I don't care to explain on this podcast, um, and maybe one day I'll share in a clubhouse room the story, but I don't care to explain it here. It was small. I'm a professional. I moved on. But th- anyway, so that's what I've been up to for the last two months. Um, I have to go back eventually. I think beginning of next year or end of this year. I can't. I can't be sure. But I'll go back, and I'm going to be better than ever when I go back because I know better now. <laughs> okay. So while I was in Hawaii, um, another. Thing I was struggling with was obviously keeping up this podcast and keeping up our clubhouse room. So I do want to send a sincere thank you to all of the Afro horror admins on the clubhouse who have been keeping everyone on that app engaged with watch parties and reviews because I, I, you know, Hawaii is three hours behind LA and six hours behind the East coast. I really did try that first week to see if I can continue hosting Saturday rooms and I couldn't, um, I was just too tired. You know, we had all night shoots on that film. We were shooting all night. So thank you for everyone who kept us going, especially our social media manager, Nicole, um, from 716 Media. They they really kept our social engagements going, and I, I couldn't have done it. But we also launched our blog. We, we hired about 10 awesome blog columnists um, to, to send us, a blog for once a month and 
it was really hard to do from Hawaii people. Here's another thing you should know about Afro Horror. It's just me at this point. Chris is so busy doing awesome things. Um, you know, Chris Courtney Martin. Um, and, and as she should. And But right now it's just me. I, I don't have a team. I, I, I do all the merchandising. I do all of the web care, all the podcast, editing, recording, uploading. All of that is just me. I We onboarded Nicole, we, me. I onboarded Nicole a couple of months ago and she's been the best asset I could ever ask for because she keeps our social media going and she keeps our rooms engaged and, and makes sure everyone's on time. So we on, we added the blog and they're wonderful, but I learned very quickly uh, I couldn't do it by myself. <laughs> it's just it's it's a hard thing to acquire these blogs and and then um, come you know trying to because we, we play our we pay the bloggers so trying to sign checks from Hawaii that doesn't work everything takes forever and so cash app but that's not appropriate accounting so. We're, we're, we still have the blog. I know people are like, where is it? We didn't have any, we had it for August and now it's September and I don't have anything. We're trying to restructure the blog so I can make sure I am A, still able to pay people, number one, but B, so they come out at a time that's appropriate and we may not have that many during the month um, as we did in August, but we're still working on it. I really love the blog. I think people really love the blog. So, um, thank you for being patient while we figure that out. And to the blogs, and the columnists as well. Thank you for being patient. Um, I know I've been MIA. I'm, you know, something when you go on set, anyone listening to this, who's worked in the movies, know you disappear for months at a time. And then you have to do your apology tour, your mea culpa tour, as I call it, to go all the people that you miss text, phone calls, emails. Now my friends who actually work in the industry, they understand, <laughs> they get it. They're like, Oh yeah, you're going on set for two months. Yeah. I'll see you in two months. But you know, my, mom people like that who don't understand like why I'm not answering the phone it's it's it can get kind of frustrating for them but also for me because I just I we don't have the capacity so now I'm going back through all the text messages all the missed calls all the emails all the slack notifications that I missed to go hey I'm so sorry I've been doing this here I come so also another thing we don't, they don't talked about very often publicly is that making movies is very very draining emotionally draining, but physically draining, like on your feet, moving. I remember coming home every night after we were done shooting what, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and just sitting on my bed for like a half hour, just rubbing my feet, just rubbing my feet. It was my favorite thing to do before I went to bed because I was, you know, my body is just not the same when I was 22 running around doing background making movies. It, it, it hits differently at 31. So Needs to say, I'm just getting over my jet lag <laughs> from Hawaii. So the last few days, I finally felt like um, I slept a little bit and things are clearing up a little bit. I'm still a little tired. I'm going to hopefully get a massage today so I can, or a chiropractic to adjust my back. But, you know, anyway, what I'm saying is I, I, I've been missing an action because I'm, I'm making horror movies here. And uh, I really do think you guys will enjoy this film when it comes out. I, at least I hope you do. Um, all right. So that's where I was the last two months. So let's, let's tell you what we have going on future. We still have the clubhouse uh, rooms going. Again, the admin team have been kicking ass with that. Um, I'm going to try to get back into them regularly, but I did show up for the Candyman room, which brings me to our next topic. So I, I showed up to our Candyman room on Clubhouse and it, it was really great. We all had a great conversation about it. I'm going to briefly go over 
the Candyman movie. And at this point, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to give you your spoil, spoiler alert right now. I'm going to go into the movie. So Candyman premiered, you know, about two weeks ago as I'm recording this. I was actually in Michigan. My grandmother passed away while I was in Hawaii shooting the movie. So I had to go straight from Hawaii to Michigan uh, to attend her funeral. And while I was there, I took my brothers to see Candyman. I was very excited um, my brothers are 17, so they have no idea. They've never seen the first movie. So we all kind of like I went in loving the original and they came in just wanting to see a black horror film. Um, and we both came out disappointed. Now, um, look, I'm not trying to be rude. I make movies. OK, so I know how hard it is to make movies. I've said this in the clubhouse room, but I'll say it here. I because I come from the background I come from, I have a little more grace when it comes to movies that just miss the mark for me because I know I, I understand that could have been a production issue, a studio issue, um, anything, you know, mistakes, under budget, over budget, whatever. So, but here's a few things that, that just didn't work for me in the Candyman movie. And I'm not going to go too deep into it. Cause I feel like I, sh we're, we are going to talk about this film with a guest eventually, but I just want to say the first thing is I don't understand how we have a female director as powerful as Nia DaCosta, but such a weak female character in this film. Um, and that's not a fault to the actress. I don't know if it was scenes cut or story derived, but the, the, the woman in this film just, she just wasn't active enough for me. And it wasn't until the very end of the third act that she was active, but still things were happening to her. She wasn't actually causing things. So um, in the film, Tiana Paris plays Brianna Cartwright, and she's this beautiful and artistic and successful um, girlfriend of Anthony McCoy in the film, played by uh, Yaya. So they're wonderful. They're great. They're beautiful. But she's just, she's just, you know, she's taking on the role in the sense of normally in horror films, it's the woman who's not being believed this time. She doesn't believe her boyfriend, but she's just there offering one lines and, and flat personality and single notes. And she doesn't have any agency to her. Um, she doesn't seem like she has anything she wants or needs in the course of the film. And she's just kind of tacked on there. So that was very disappointing. There's also one cringy line that she says that when I heard it in the theater, I just was like, why did that make the cut? And it's a scene where Anthony is trying to explain to her about Candyman, And, and she goes, this isn't real. And in her, in my very black, black widow, spoiler alert, black widow, uh, voice, this isn't real. You and me, we're real. And I just thought that is the biggest cliche line ever. I, how many times am I going to have to watch a movie where that line is uttered? And I couldn't believe in 2021 that line. So I don't understand how no one was like that. This line just feels cheesy and disingenuous. I don't know. Um, the next thing I will say is that, you know, the whole movie, Anthony has this growing, which I actually really liked the growing beehive on his body, but no one says anything about it. Like she sleeps with this man every night. She doesn't say anything about it. He literally is pe peeling flesh off his hand and, and, you know, can see bone and he doesn't go see a doctor. No one says anything. It's just, it's fine. Everything's fine. I just, it's just the suspension of belief doesn't really suspend in that area. Um, and then, you know, it just felt too preachy. It, it felt like, who's this movie for? Honestly, um, maybe it's the timing because this movie was supposed to come out before George Floyd and, and then COVID hit and it got delayed. But 
I just feel like the, this is, this is a Buzzfeed article movie. Like I'm going to explain everything that is about gentrification and racism for all the people who don't know what that is. And, um, and okay. the last point is it just wasn't scary. Like that original Candyman movie has some really good scares and some really good kills. And the philosophy that, I mean, I'm not going to get into this now. We'll get into it later, but Candyman's philosophy for 2021 about who he kills and who he doesn't kill doesn't really align with me. And maybe that's why it doesn't make it scary because that means like half of the population is counted out of this. And there are some people within our own community that should be, that should fall under this, this guideline. And I'm not going to name them, but I know you can think of at least a couple. So I don't know. It didn't work for me. I was really excited. Um, but I will say that when we were doing the clubhouse room, some people really enjoyed it and they, they really loved it and they went to see it multiple times. So if you're that person, do not let how I feel about a movie ever, ever stop you from enjoying something. Cause I, I, that's the whole point of making movies. I want to see you enjoy it. I, I saw, um, Shang-Chi. I hope I'm saying that right. Shang-Chi. Um, in theaters over the weekend and I loved it except for some minor story stuff, but I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the action was great. I might go see it again and hearing the audience reaction of how into it they were as well is so gratifying. It's not even my movie, but I love hearing audience reactions to movies. So if you enjoyed Candyman 2021, I'm happy for you. That's great. There are a lot of movies that I enjoyed that people do not care for Age of Ultron, number one. <laughs> and I enjoy the hell out of it. So that's just my opinion. No, we're, I'll get more into the depths of Candyman when I have a guest on. We'll get a special guest and we'll see how they feel. But I just want to highlight that. Okay, moving on. Okay, so my, uh, speaking of which, before I went to Hawaii months ago, I wrote on a TV show called Contacts starring King Batch. And um, it is a mini episode series that, I mean, it's going to premiere on Facebook Watch. I think they told me October, but it got into the American Black Film Festival. So I'm really excited about that because if you don't know my story, uh, I entered a competition for the TV One Network like five years ago, um, became a finalist, and they flew me out to the American Black Film Festival and paid for my hotel and gave me per diem and gave me the red carpet treatment. Um, and that was the first time I ever went to that festival. And now I'm in the festival as a staff writer on a TV show. So it's really great. It's like a, it's like a full circle moment. Um, I hope I'll be able to, to attend the festival and, and see the live audience reaction to the show. Cause I'm really proud of the show. So I'll let you guys know when it comes out in October for you to watch on Facebook watch. But if you're going to the American black film festival, please check out the contacts TV show that should be in webisodes category. All right, let's see what else is new. All right, October is coming up. Now, October is a big month, not just for Halloween. My birthday is October 21st, everyone. Yes, your host is one week before Halloween. I'm a Halloween baby, okay? So let me tell you what we got planned here at Afro Horror. Uh, we've got some great merch coming through the pipeline. I just have to solidify it. Um, so I'm not going to tell you. I, I am going to give you a little tease. We've got some tea bags to go with our teacups. Uh, and our teacup pins, more pins are coming, obviously. Um, crewnecks, I'm really into crewnecks this fall, you guys. I bought like four online, Marvel crewnecks and Disney crewnecks. And I I'm just obsessed with them for some reason. I think my new aesthetic for the fall is going to be a crewneck, some, um, you know, uh, high-waisted jeans and, and a, a good ankle boot. And that's how I'm going to live my life for <laughs> the, the last 
half of the year. Uh, as soon as it gets a little colder here in LA, it's like 90 degrees. October is actually our hottest month usually, which is so annoying, which means I gotta wait till November to really rock these crew necks, but I digress. Anyway, so um, my birthday is October, so I want to do like a special birthday time capsule for products. Um, we'll have our hats, we'll have our, our things, but if you, you know, I, I want to know what you guys are buying, like what, what you, what kind of merch you want as well. Cause I want to add that into, uh, into our category or inventory. So please email us, uh, info at afrohorror.com and, and make requests, but we've got a lot of stuff coming up for October. We're going to be doing more podcasts in October. So it's not just going to be one episode for October. We're going to hopefully, schedule at least three or four drops for the whole month of October, especially a special, a special birthday celebration for me. Um, so that's, that's all coming up. Uh, let's see what else. Oh gosh. I feel like there's so much that we, Oh, we were, um, we were featured in a fellow horror magazine that I really wanted to shout out and say, thank you. So hold on, let me find them. I wonder if Danny Pellegrino has to go through the same things I do. Okay, so this and this was really this caught me off guard. I, I I sometimes forget that people actually listen to this show and that they like it, and it makes me really happy when I get little pings on our Instagram or our Twitter and, and people like it. Okay, so this is this is from Dinman six six six. I'm talking about his Instagram is at Dinman six six six, and um, he writes for a magazine called Rumor. Mm, is it Rue Morgue? Uh, oh, Rue Morgue. Yeah, Rue Morgue magazine. Okay. And he wrote a little, like a little column about us in the magazine, uh, just celebrating Afro Horror and his, a review, a review of our show. So I want to, I want to read to you what he said because he posted it on his Instagram. Okay. He said, oftentimes the best path toward uh, filling a gap for an undeserved community comes from within that community itself. Such is the case with Charday Sellers, that's me, and uh, the podcast Afro Horror, that's this. Inspired by the horror noir documentary, that's true. And one of its creators, trailblazing horror journalist Ashley Blackwell, also true. Sellers has been addressing the black experience in horror films since 2019. Has it only been 2019? I I feel like it is it eight. It's probably 2019. No, he's right. He's right. He's read the website. <laughs> Currently, a monthly podcast with episodes ranging from one to two hours. Each tackles a single movie with at least one notable black character created behind the camera. The show is lively and upbeat, thanks in part to the charismatic host. That's me. Thank you. Um, and a variety of interesting guests, such as Edwin Hodge, star of the Purge series, and Jessica Guest of the popular Black Girls Guide to Horror Site. Both really good friends who I enjoy very much. Um, thank you guys again for coming on the show. Um, neither overly disgusting, uh, wait, sorry. It's neither overly academic nor total fluff. I think that's really a nice compliment. Afro horror manages to be a lot of fun while discussing serious topics such as representation, the treatment of black characters. And this is where he's absolutely right, which I wish I knew how to fix, but I'm, I'm working on it. Though the auto quality can be uneven at times, <laughs> each season brings more and more ambition and interactively to the mix with an active clubhouse groove, an online shop stocked with merch, podcast collaborations, and a full website with lively social media. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air for our, uh, black horror fans. That's just the nicest thing. I, I don't even know how else to, to just say that that made me so, so happy 
Dinman66, <laughs> whose name I don't know. Um, but thank you, because when we started when I started this podcast, it was really just for me to get my frustration out that people seem to overlook black horror and black people in horror. And it has become a thing now where I really, I love amplifying uh, black professionals in front of and behind the screen. Or I'm also, we've been trying to lock down this, this black horror writer, gosh, for months. She's been so patient with me, but I've been busy. I'm trying to get her on the show because I really also want to expand to, I, I don't just want to talk about above the line people. When I say above the line, I mean actors, um, uh, writers, directors, people like that. But I, I want to talk to, you know, I want to talk to people like in props and hair and makeup departments. I want to talk to black people who work in horror and, in uh, special effects. So I'm really trying to open up our, our brand here. Uh, I just need time to do it. <laughs> I just need the time to do it. But that really made my, my week and it made all the hard work worth it. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, I, the magazine, you know, go to their Instagram, which is, uh, hold on. I, I had the Instagram. Um, well, Dinman66, first of all, has it on there. But Rue Morg Mag, that's, it's at Rue, R-U-E, Morg, M-O-R-G-U-E, Mag, M-A-G. Um, go to their their Instagram and support their magazine. I, I got to buy my own copy. I got to buy my issue. So I have to remind myself to do that because I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, very, very proud of that. Okay. So let's talk about some news and horror lately. Okay, let's pivot. So I've been gone. I've been out the mix. There's actually no movie theater on the island of Kauai, so I didn't get to see a lot of movies. Thank God for Disney Plus because I was able to watch Black Widow on my iPad. Um, but outside of that, I didn't have a lot of time. And Loki, uh, but we didn't have a lot of time. So I, I kind of missed everything. I don't even know what horror news is out there right now. What I do know is this. <laughs> I live in LA. I live down the street from Universal Studios. I have the golden pass for for Universal Studios, meaning I get an unlimited visits, no, no blackout dates, and I get one ticket to the Halloween Horror Night. So let's talk about this real quick. I need a drink of water. Hold on. Mm. So tell me why I went the other day to Universal to ride some rides, you know, ride the Hippogriff ride and get some butterbeer at Harry Potter Land. And they're already setting up for Halloween Horror Nights because it's in two days, which is great. I'm so excited. I, per, I would love to go on my birthday on October 21st. I think I'm going to buy a ticket for that night if I can find a friend who would like to go with me. But all my friends are pretty much chicken shit and won't go to a, a horror maze. But I'm going to find someone. Anyway, they're setting up. And I see one of the mazes is Halloween 4. Curse of Michael Myers. And I thought of all the Halloween films to make a maze. We're going to make the maze with the worst mask? Why? And they're, they're selling the mask in the store, by the way. But I don't know, Universal. I don't know, man. Halloween 4. Halloween 4. H2O is right there. You could have made a schoolyard. You know, you could have had a school maze where people are going through classes in the hallway. And uh, let me curate. This is my dream. I'm putting this out there now if anyone has any power. Um, the man who curates the Halloween Horror Nights, he's been doing it for so long. He's great. I'm not, this is not a slight against him. I'm a huge fan. I follow him on Twitter. I want to curate a year of Halloween Horror Nights at Universals. I'm putting it into the ethos 
in the ethos, sorry, into the earth, in the universe right now. I have so many plants, okay? Eli Roth curated one year, I believe, you know, with his hostile stuff. But I, I want to do one. Um, also, really quickly, they're, they're having the, the Haunting of Hill House Maze, which I'm super excited because a good friend of mine, Jeff Howard, who's also been on this podcast, he wrote on that show as well. Um, and I just shot a short film that I directed with a very talented actor from that show. So to go back, though, Halloween 4, I don't understand it. Halloween Show is right there, literally right there. Also, you have Halloween Kills coming out in October. I know you can't, do Halloween kills right now, but why didn't you just do the first Halloween from 2018? I, so many questions. Anyway, um, here's what we need. I, I need to do a year of curating the Halloween Horror Nights, and this is what I would do. Every inch should be covered in some sort of scare universal. I've been going to Halloween Horror Nights for five years in a row, except for last year, obviously, because it was canceled to COVID. But every time I go, I notice there's always a lot. Like, while people are in line, we got to scare them. We got to get them ready. Um, we People go maze to maze. And if you don't know what it is, it's Halloween Horror Nights. It's at Universal Studios here in L.A. They have it in Florida, too. But in L.A., they basically, at 7 o'clock, turn the park into a, a huge area of just mazes. You can ride other rides too i believe at some some of them you can it's not all the rides are open but some of the rides are open but it's mostly just mazes is based off of universal movies who uh horror movies um and this year you know they're also trying to do their dark castle not dark castle wow they're um their universal dark universe and they've got the mummy um they've got frankenstein mazes things like that so uh, kudos to you that's great blumhouse has now taken over all of that so Still don't understand why we're not doing a Blumhouse Halloween. But anyway, um, but typically, you know, you just go maze to maze. And, you know, I always advise if you can afford it to go ahead and get the most expensive pass because waiting in that line is the worst thing in the world. Like waiting two hours to go through a little two minute maze literally makes me want to hang myself. But um, so I always get the the pass so I can cut the line because I can't do it. Um, but if we were in line and there was like some scares happening, then yeah, the time would go faster. Look, every inch of the park should be covered. First of all, the tram ride is really fun to take because they literally take you on the tram and then they're like, get out. And then you have to like run. That one's the best. I love that. But um, every inch of the park should be something scary happening. Like when you're going the escalators down to the tram ride, like are there people on the escalators who are just walking up it, scaring you? Like, please, I have so many ideas, so many ideas for universal horror nights. Please let me do it once, once. You won't even have to pay me. I'll, I'll just do it. So if anyone has that kind of clout where they can get me a meeting, there's so many things I want to do. There's so many movies, especially black. Hello, black horror movies. I mean, Get Out is, Get Out is a universal movie we could have had a get out maze we don't have one yet and it's blumhouse as well um could you imagine if we all were in the the room with the tv like come on like i i mean i get it like who would be running from we'd be running from fucking rose that's who the keys the keys rose the keys that's who we'd be running from anyway so many ideas so many ideas um could you imagine if we also had like a maze dedicated to the little like puppet creatures from tales from the hood the one that comes out of the painting to kill the, the racist politician. Look, I have ideas. I, I That'd be a dream for me. But if you're going to Universal uh, Halloween Horror Nights this year, hit me up on the Instagram and the Twitter. Let me know when you're going. Maybe we can go together because that sounds like a fun time. All right. 
Well, that, that pretty much is going to wrap us up today. I, I covered everything I wanted to cover. I just want to thank you guys for listening to our podcast over and over again, even when our audio sound quality isn't there. Um, and just to let you know, October, we've, we've got great episodes coming out. We're, I'm really excited about that. We're going to hit some of the newer releases that come out. We're going to watch some old things I still haven't seen. And merchandise. I just got to get my life together. So, and the blog. So thank you for being patient. Please step by the clubhouse. It's Afro Horror Clubhouse. And we talk about not just black horror. We talk about all horror, but through a black lens and perspective. Really fun group. Thank you to the admins for that as well. And uh, I'll see you guys next month for October. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hemphill for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at Afro Horror or on our website, www.afrohorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.